Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. It is February 3rd. It's uh, Tuesday, February 3rd. Happy to be here today with everybody. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, who is in Dallas, Texas. Julie, I think first we have to send condolences out to everybody in Boston and the Midwest listening. It really, really looks rough there, doesn't it? Yes, Leanne. It looks frozen and cold uh, and just more frozen and more cold. So, yes, stay warm, everyone. Stay inside. Get yourself a cup of tea and sit back and listen to a podcast. That's it, what I think. It's true, though. I am slightly jealous of the snow. Like, I thought it looked fun. <laughs> so, I know. Detroit. But you're not driving in it, Leanne. You know, I know. You're not shoveling it. No. I know, but even the shoveling, I thought that looks like good exercise. Like, I just, because I haven't lived in a snowy place in so long, I've... I've lost touch with how bad yes, it really you is. Yes. So I romanticize uh, blizzards, and I know that's not true. So thank you for listening. If you're on a snow day, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. You're right. Get a cup of tea. We have a full show today. Of course, we're going to do a Super Bowl wrap-up, talk about the halftime show, the ads. Uh, Julie has a new diet, Hope Springs Eternal, so that's good. Um, we are excited about the Bruce Jenner, Diane Sawyer interview. We're going to talk about that. Julie has a book nook. <laughs> it's like a new feature. I, it's shockingly, and I know, but I, I have some book recommendations. Good. Again, I haven't read these books, but um, I have a couple I want to recommend and one I totally uh, do not recommend. And then, Oh, good. Yeah, it's good. It's good to, to recommend and not recommend books <laughs> you haven't read. Uh, as an author, I really appreciate that. And then... <laughs> Um, of course, every Tuesday we do a wrap up of Downton Abbey called Downton Gabby. And so we're going to do that at the end of the show. Julie, though, I have to give you a nod. I think you spearheaded a hashtag. Uh, I don't know if you saw that Hillary Clinton tweeted out today a pro vaccine hashtag with like the earth is round vaccines work. And then the hashtag was grandmothers know best. I think she must have been listening to Sunday Satellite Sisters when Urban Nana took a strong stand. (laughs) I know, Lee, and little did I know, uh, because I said it was going to be part of my political platform that all children be vaccinated. (laughs) Little did I know that it would set off this this uh, giant uh, political debate now, which it worries me uh, because I believe we should have the medical experts uh, and public health experts talking to us. It makes me very nervous when politicians feel like they now need to have um, a platform on vaccinations because they're politicians. Right, know? right. Well, but, you know, people ask them and it's, it is a hot button issue and everyone's talking about it. And so I think you can take full credit for the hashtag grandmothers know best. Just put that on your resume. Um, but really the big story this week, of course, we're still, uh, I don't know, we're still in the fallout from the Super Bowl in terms of who won, how they won, in terms of Deflategate, in terms of the nationwide ad with the dead kid, and in terms of uh, Katy Perry's halftime show. So, Jewel, what'd you think? Did you actually sit down and watch the whole thing? 
I did. I watched the show. Uh, I watched the um, the the uh, Super Bowl. I thought it was great. There was the largest TV audience in television history, Leanne, for, I know. for a Super Bowl. So uh, over 114 million people watched the Super Bowl. That which is sort of so surprised me. You know, that, that it, it surprised me too. But, yeah. Uh, why do you think I don't that know was? Why. Maybe yeah. because it was a snowy, cold day in a lot of places. Uh, maybe that they're just big fan bases for these two for the two teams. It certainly was an exciting game, Leon. You have to you have to give it that. I mean that it was it was exciting right until the end. Um, I am the only. I don't have an opinion about the last play call, yeah. Leon. That's that's <laughs> that's what I think. You're not going to do that analysis. No, I am not going to do that. I, I just that, let them work it out. I, I they're going to be talking about that last play forever, forever. But um, what did you think about the halftime show, Leon? Let's you get know what to- I I here's what I think about Katy Perry. I enjoy Katy Perry as a performer. I think Katy Perry has made the most of the talent that she has. That, and uh, I think she has a sense of humor about herself. And I think she has a strong eye for production value. That being said, do I think Katy Perry is the most talented performer? No. I mean, no, I don't. On any, I don't think she has a great voice. I think her songs are, you know, enjoyable pop tunes. She can't dance, which, you know, is, should not be a prerequisite for being a pop star, but it kind of is. So that means she has to use a lot of props like giant tigers and dancing. What about- those sharks. The sharks were fantastic, you know, and right away the sharks were fantastic. I was watching with my two sons. They were like, we love those sharks, you know? <laughs> and so it's funny. I, I mean, that's what I mean. I think she has good instincts as a performer for making the most of what she has going on. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was completely disjointed. <laughs> It didn't make any sense. I could have done without Lenny Kravitz, but that's the way I feel every time I see Lenny Kravitz, who I consider to be the most overrated rock star in in ever. And uh, Missy Elliott, good to have you back. You know, some good, good songs. You know, there's one where Katie should have just gotten out of the way, but um, I thought she did a fine job. And I like the fact that she has given full credit to the Sharks for really being the MVPs of the Super Bowl halftime show. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought there was nothing not to like. I know, Leanne, you know the expression, go big or go home. Yeah. Well, I think Katy Perry really embraced that. And she she took the, you know, it's the, it is the Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Like, you know, and she did it. Um, I was talking to one of our neighbors um, who actually went to the Super Bowl. Oh, and okay. And he said in person, it was the halftime show was absolutely positively amazing to see. Oh, you know, said, okay. They said it was really, really great. So I love that giant tiger thing. Yeah. I like <laughs> the lit balls, touch of Beijing, opening ceremonies there, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, no. So I was no, I was I was a little nervous about it because I think people were a little critical about whether or not she could pull it off, whether she was the same caliber of you know artists that they've had in the past. But um, so I was I had some anxiety going into halftime, Lillian. I have to say, I was just kind of rooting for the girls, you know. I, I just she's a, she's just one girl out there right. by herself, like trying to do the whole halftime show. And I think she did it. That's yeah. what I think. I think it's a lesson to every pop star to write a song about fireworks because <laughs> um, that is just a boffo way to end any show anywhere at any time. <laughs> I so, think it's going to be a wedding trend, Leon. I think you're going to see a lot of brides just going up into the sky like that now. <laughs> I love Katy, Katy Perry.
Mark well, you recall at our niece Megan's wedding, the band learned the song Fireworks, and at the end, they, the bride and groom went off. We all had sparklers, yes. and we all went out, lit the sparklers as the band played Fireworks, and off they went. And mm-hmm. so it was just a, a touch of Katy Perry, really. Yes. <laughs> that was maybe well, an it was a touch of Megan. Maybe <laughs> Katy Perry got the idea from Megan. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So. But Lee and you, I have to say, though, Watching the Super Bowl with my husband, um, you know, we did have a little like marital regression. Now, you you may recall that I had set out as my New Year's resolution, I believe it was last year, that I was not going to explain commercials to my husband anymore. I don't know what it is about him. Okay. He's a genius, Leon. You know, know that. He is a genius. Okay. But he cannot understand television commercials. So he's always, I, so I end up having to explain them to him. So I've stopped doing that. So, and he's been in the habit of not asking, but for some reason, maybe because it's a Super Bowl, they have a separate set of, you know, different type caliber of commercials mm-hmm. that he felt he had a free pass and that he could ask me about commercials. So I just a brief summary of the commercials. My husband did not understand that okay. took Okay, the Camry ads didn't get, okay? Yeah, I didn't. They were terrible. Always. Okay, my husband doesn't know what the product is, okay? <laughs> oh, like a girl? He just didn't, yeah, no. didn't get so that? He that? thought those girls were kind of cute, but he didn't know what the product was, okay? <laughs> Mindy Kaling, he did not understand Invisible Mindy, okay? We had a big, long discussion, even this morning, Leanne. He about- would know Matt Damon, though, because he's such a Bourne fan. Yes, he did. Okay, yes, but he- it just yes. everything before Matt Damon yeah, he showed didn't up. Know, he didn't know what okay. was going on. Okay, even this morning. Okay, it is Tuesday. <laughs> we have to go over Kim Kardashian. Again, like, why Why is she so famous? Like, I had to, I had to answer that question. He didn't understand Jeff Bridges. The well, Nissan ads, I didn't, or the Mophie ads with God there at the end. Yeah, didn't I didn't understand that ad either. <laughs> okay. The ones he got, totally solid that I didn't have to provide. The lost puppy, he was good. The dead kid and toe fungus. He got all three of those. <laughs> okay. So, well, it was like just revealing, going back, the Lost Puppy ad, according to USA Today, that was everybody's favorite ad with, or Mm -hmm. or that's the favorite ad, according to their poll, with Like a Girl being number two. I don't know why I'm surprised Like a Girl scored so high, only because that's been out for a while. So, but maybe people had just not seen it. But that ad, I have seen that several times, maybe just in... In, on the internet, but uh, I had seen that ad several times. Listen, uh, the nationwide dead kid ad, that was one of those experiences where we're all sitting on the couch. My husband's out of town, so it's just the boys and I. And we were like, wait, what? Is he dead? <laughs> like, it was just such a downer. It was so awful. Lee, and there's a big story in the Wall Street Journal this morning from all the executives where they interview the executives of nationwide, like the chief marketing marketing yeah. officer, Debbie Downer. They, oh, oh, they're, they're thrilled with it, Leanne, because they, what he, the quote, he's quoted as saying, we absolutely knew that there was going to be a reaction where you'd have strong feelings both ways. The initial ne- negative reaction from the social space was a little stronger than we anticipated, but we absolutely anticipated that it would cause a conversation. That's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to sell insurance, uh, allegedly. They wanted to cause a conversation. Okay, well, that's not true. Do you believe that that was their intent? No. No. no, I don't know. I don't know what their intent was. And according to this article, they did... 
focus group this ad before before the Super Bowl. But I wanted and that it received positive reviews in a focus group. But I can't believe those I, I just would like to know what were the circumstances of that focus group? I mean, were they sitting on the couch eating guacamole and, you know, uh, fried chicken and pizza? Or were they sitting in some, you know, office office setting? You know, because I just it was so jarring, Leon. And, you know, it was uh, it was just, you know, uh, it really was it was terrible. I thought if you had families, if you had kids <laughs> it was, I mean, when they showed the TV, like the killer TV, that was, I mean, that was, I am sure there were little kids that went running from the room that I, will never, ever like watch TV again. Like the killer TV to me. I mean, there were so many things just disturbing and wrong setting. And, you know, there's a way to do serious ads. Like I thought the actual, even though, you know, it's filled with uh, hypocrisy, the NFL ad about domestic violence, I thought was a very effective way to message Mm -hmm. a serious topic. But to show like the crashed $6,000 television. Oh, my God. Well, the ad was done by Ogilvy and Mather, and Uh they said the goal of the ad was to break the mold of Super Bowl ads, that they usually are packed with jokes and gags. Well, yeah, they did. I mean, but I I still – what I take away from that is I would never, ever, ever buy any insurance from Nationwide. Yeah. Okay, because I'm so mad about it, and I thought it was so – such a, such so inappropriate and wrong even even though it's an important message uh, just how they did it uh i just like i'm done with nationwide you know that's it i will well, it was certainly time. terribly jarring to any i mean it was jarring if you've never lost a child but if you've lost a child it was just flat out insensitive like yeah. it just I, it just was beyond. So, uh, and you do, I did appreciate, like, it was one of those things where we were sitting on the couch, like, my God, that was a terrible ad. And I was texting Liz, uh, the whole game because she was working on sort of her one liners for the New York post ad spot. So Mm -hmm. I immediately texted Liz like, wow, the legion of gloom, like, (laughs) is it followed the Nissan ad with the neglectful dad? I know. The cat's cradle. I know. I had to explain that to my husband. Yeah, he was. That was bad too. As my as my eight, as my nineteen year old son said, "Well, he's not a good dad, but it looks awesome to be a race car driver." So, <laughs> um, so I texted Liz like, "Wow, legion of gloom, neglectful dads, and dead nationwide kid." And then at the end of the game, I got on Twitter. I, I don't usually do it during the middle of the game, and the funny memes and oh my gosh, like the reaction. There was the serious reaction, but then there was just like the hilarious, like, I would have really enjoyed that Katy Perry halftime show if I weren't dead. <laughs> so, I mean, whoo, that was nutty. That was just, yeah, I can't believe any of that was intentional. So, yeah, so, um, so nationwide, you can, you know, you can carry on with this spin that, you know, that this is that you were just starting a conversation. And I, and I realize that we're still talking about it on Tuesday. Right. But not in a positive way. Not in a positive way. No. There's, and there's I, I really difference. do think if you had a small child, they would have been pretty traumatized. Yes. I yes. can see them, you having to explain that ad for the rest of your life. Remember that ad where the kid died? I mean, that's the kind of thing that little kids fixate yes. on. You know, <laughs> is he dead? Is I mean, yeah, it'd be terrible. 
Terrible. And you'll probably be explaining it to Trem for the rest of his life. Yes. So. Well, no, that was the one. He got that ad, Leon. He got oh, that ad. Okay. Okay. And the Lost Puppy ad, I mean, forget it. There's just, uh, didn't you, I didn't really want a beer, but I did want a puppy. So yes. there, there you go. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I had to explain something to my husband this weekend, uh, Jewel. He is off um, on a in a two week long business trip. Ooh, and that's a long trip. Lisa. It is a long trip. He's never he's never gone away for two weeks. I have, but he hasn't. Um, so, and usually when I go, I take the kids. That's a, <laughs> that's the kind of two week business trip I go on. Does that really count? I don't know. You know, I'll take them up to Oregon and write and stuff like that. So I've left the home for that long, but he hasn't. So, and this is also his first opportunity to do, uh, to do work. He's going to London and he's going to Dublin. Ooh, right? First international he, trip. Yes. Yeah, so he's Ooh. starting in Houston now for a couple of days and then going to London and to Dublin. And here's the thing. Uh, it's 75 and sunny here. Don't hate mm-hmm. me because we live in Southern California. My husband born and raised here, went to college here, has worked, you know, 20, 30 years almost in the he same. He rarely travels, Leon. I he mean, I know, I know he's in a new position where yeah. he's doing a little more traveling. Yeah. But up to the, this point, he's lived most of his life, I, I would say, you'd, easily 97% of yes. his life in California. Yes. And, say, yeah. Yes. And his work, he's in real estate. So he doesn't, it's not, you don't go to some other market necessarily for real estate. So for the first, you know, 25 years of his career, he's been everywhere in California because that's his job. But so long story short, he's never really spent any substantial time in any place cold. And, you know, there have been the occasional wedding trips or ski trips or weekends here, but a good solid two weeks in a place where, as I looked up on the 10-day forecast for him just to prove it, the temperatures in Dublin and London this time will be between 30 and 40 degrees, and it will be raining and damp for 10 oh, yeah, days. Oh, yeah, that damp cold land. There is I, nothing like it. Mm-hmm. He does not get that, Julie. <laughs> I, we had to go. He's been working like a dog. So finally Saturday, right before he left Sunday morning, we had to go secure some outerwear, you know, just, and I I could not convince him that he would get cold to his bones. He said, I don't get cold. And I was like, you've not been cold. I don't know what else to say. Like darting from the car in the morning and 50 degree weather in Southern California doesn't, of course you don't get cold then, you know, Mm -hmm. but when you're trying to get from point A to point B or you're wandering around London or you're out at night in Dublin. That wind howling and yeah. Oh, yes. He has never really experienced like that. Like he's Uh got, you know, so I really had to twist his arm to even like get a coat. He thought, uh-huh. well, maybe I'll just get a, you know, one of those thin down vests uh, to wear <laughs> under my suit jacket. I was like, and then your clothes will be all wet. What? I was on, I mean, and it's I, a California boy there. He's he just, really uh, is. He's just yeah. convinced that he's not going to get cold. And, okay. oh, and then like, and then the other, it's compounded by the fact that like, you can't actually find leather gloves here now. No. We went to like three or four places. They're gone. They Mm -hmm. have them for a couple of weeks at Christmas, but now they're gone. Mm -hmm. So like he said, one point he said, should I bring my ski gloves? And I was like, you would look like an idiot walking down the street in London with your ski gloves. The big fat ski gloves. I mean, what an amateur with the ski gloves. How about a scarf? Is he bringing a scarf, Leon? No. Quote, I don't like to wear scarves. Oh. And I just put my head down, Julie. I was like, you know, there's a reason men 
Again, so every man in London has a scarf. I know. On. It's that cold, it's damp cold air damp. on your throat and your I, neck. You can't handle it. I you could not. Sit. I couldn't convince him. So I know if you're listening in Detroit or Boston or Iowa or Minnesota, where we have many listeners, you can't believe this. But it's like I could not convince him that it will be uncomfortably cold. But so off he goes. There's he's a grown okay. man, and there are stores in London. But uh, there you have it. And then in another, you know, sort of battle for outerwear, I had two birthday presents to buy. My son, Colin, turned 17, and my father-in-law had his birthday last week. So I was having a family birthday party Saturday night. So with Colin, Julie, I scored. You know how you know that feeling when you get the perfect gift, and it's just so satisfying when you find it for someone, and they well, really like the gift enjoy it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I, I, I work hard and I think hard about the gifts, but you know, I've had moments where I'm off or you're rushed or something, but this one, like, again, you could grow up in Southern California and not have a coat. It's not, <laughs> it's not that unusual. So Colin has reached an age where he started to borrow his brother's pea coat. I noticed. So I wanted to get him his own actual like coat and I scored with a great banana Republic coat. It just has a touch of edge. You know, it's a little hipster like Colin is to touch hipster totally scored. And then my father-in-law, who always enjoys my gifts, I have to say, I got him a fantastic like flannel plaid shirt for all his hiking that he does oh. at Patagonia. Julie, he liked it so much, he put it right on. Like, that's the sign. <laughs> Don't you love that? I love when that. You, that's very exciting yep. when, you, when you hit a home run. With a, total with home run with the organic okay. flannel shirt like <laughs> on sale at Patagonia. Big hit. Your big hit. So really, two... Two excellent outerwear scores, and my husband totally on his own. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to okay. do. <laughs> so just we can we can have a, a little a contest here on, on our podcast. When in the fourteen day trip is he going to get sick? You know, because he's going to get sick. Yeah. Just will he will he make it all fourteen days before the cold sets in, or will he will it ha, you know will he get home and then get sick? So I just I can't even. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, Leon, while he's away, I have some great news for you, Leon. You know, <laughs> you you know how I there's there's if it's a wacky diet, I'm in. You yeah. Because I, I just hope spring's eternal. I, I'm always like. You know, there must be some other way than just eat less and exercise more. You know, I just, you know, I just. It can't be that simple. No, I, I know. I just want some other solution to maintaining your weight, to losing your weight. Well, now I have it, Leanne. They have done some studies, and uh, they're all, it's only in mice, but I believe I am convinced it's going, to, it's going to be applicable to human beings as well, that if you limit when you eat, this can really help to keep you lean. Let me explain. That oh, we, we talked about this. You did at yes, the time urban, you were at the win- Yes, the 12-hour window. Yes. All okay. right. Talk, so explain it for people who might not have heard that podcast. We talked about it two weeks ago. Hi. Okay, I want to hear your take on this. Go for it. Okay, so I what I you have twelve hours from eight to five p.m. So that is the only time that you can eat, and then you know the rest of the time you have to fast. And by restricting when you can eat, that this really helps your metabolism because the idea that you need to eat three day, meals a day is really it's it's sort of abnormal from the evolutionary perspective. You know that we really don't need you know, to eat like that. But if we eat during a restricted period of time, it helps to rev up our metabolism. And then it also, they think by doing this kind of fasting, this 12-hour fasting, there are some studies that it does 
it also has an impact on your brain, Leon, and they believe that it may help to reduce the cases of Alzheimer's disease. What do you think about that? I think it's impossible to do. You do? As soon as I saw this, well, you have to eat. I mean, I wake up at like 5 a.m. It starts from the very first cup of coffee. Yeah. No, so I then know. you have to be all wrapped up by 5 p.m. Yeah, that would be good. Then go to bed. That's <laughs> For some of us, like, we have other things happening between 5 and 8 called, like, dinner. <laughs> so. well, leave, let them do that, Leanne. They just have to fend for themselves. Okay. Like, they're their own mice. Okay, you're only one mouse. You know, you just have to take care of yourself and only eat during that 12-hour period. I feel like if it didn't start with the first cup of coffee, I could do it because I could yeah. certainly delay like breakfast till eight, eight, and then I'd be good because I'm actually not a night eater. I don't snack after dinner. I, that's like the one good dietary habit I have is that I, I don't really do that, but I can't get, I can't squeeze it in. Have you tried? Have you actually? Su- no, I haven't okay. tried, but I'm, I'm, but I'm. I'm looking forward to it. This coming week, I'm going to try it. Uh, my husband's going to be away on a trip. I thought this is an ideal time, Lee, and you and I can it do is. It is. We can try this. So we you're right. I'll, I'll, I will give it a whirl. I just feel like I'm going to be starving at like three in the morning. <laughs> right? But I have to eat by five. I, well, I mean, it's, it is sort of like when you go in for your yearly physical. Yeah. You know, how, how hungry you are, you know, because you have to stop eating by seven usually in the right. evening, uh, um, how hungry you are the next morning. Yeah. But we okay. could try it, Liam. All right. We we'll just try do a little it. experiment, even one day. 12, well, well, 12 hours. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, I can't. Okay. Well, I could wrap up eating by 630 tonight. I could do that. Do you okay, think you could have try. like herbal tea afterwards? Well, I don't know. It's just, I only, I, of course, I haven't read any of the fine print of this, Leanne. Okay. I just read the headlines. And the headlines look good, Leanne. It looked, it looked doable. So just right. try it. You should, I think with any diet, you got to make it your own. Okay. okay. Even if it's out of the bounds of the study or okay. prescribed, right. make it your own, Leanne. Be the diet. You can See, do here's it. my fear with this. If I go for it, I will then, in my mind, I will say, like, I could eat anything I want just as long as it's in the 12-hour window. Just cramming in that 12-hour yeah, window. Boom, 12 That hours. seems to be, that's the appeal that I, that I took away <laughs> from this. Just, oh, I got to stop eating this ice cream now. It's 5.15. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Julie. One story that has emerged over the last couple months but confirmed this week is that Bruce Jenner is transitioning to living life as a woman. And uh, I was surprised. Were you surprised uh, when that headline came out? Uh, I was surprised it was confirmed. But, you know, there have been a lot of photos of him lately that have been very surprising. The long hair, the lipstick, the nails. Like, and there's speculation that those were photoshopped or fake or things like that. But, you know, there was all of a sudden he just sort of disappeared and the, the divorce and everything. It's all surprising to me, I think, when anyone decides this, especially, you know, he's in, he's 65. So mm-hmm. I am very interested to hear his interview with Diane Sawyer, you know, because he's been married three times. He has six kids. He, he, you know, he has a gold medal. And so now you make, it makes me wonder like, why at this point does, has he just reached a point where he doesn't care about public opinion and he's going to go for it? I guess that must be it. Right. 
I don't know, Leah. I mean, I don't, you know, he maybe, was it, was it influenced by the fact that he lived in that household with all those women? I, I, don't, I, I know. don't know. See that. And I so know, just, again, I, that is probably wrong. And, uh, but I did have that thought too. Like, was it just, there was so much hair and makeup going on in their house? And I don't, I, I don't know. I was at first, I was initially disappointed that it was all going to be documented for television, but then I thought, well, that's actually something I would be interested in knowing about. So obviously he's waited a long time to do this. I'd be curious to know what this journey is like. So Diane Sawyer has secured, uh, the first interview with him. Um, they're going to, he's going to transition over the next couple of months and then the interview will run with May in May. So I okay. guess we'll, okay. we'll know more then. Okay. I think Diane Sawyer will do an excellent job that she's, you know, that rather than having an entertainment reporter do the story that they're going to, you know, I think it's good. She's a real journalist and, you know, I'm sure she's going to ask some, you know, ask some, uh, some difficult and yeah. probing questions about right. it. So I think it will be, it will be interesting to watch, but, uh, well, I, you know, we did I, see it, him once. Um, my husband's a huge track and field fan. So obviously big hero, you know, I mean, he was a great athlete, uh, Bruce mm-hmm. Jenner. And then we saw him like before any of the Kardashian stuff, like 15 years ago, we saw him in a Starbucks and, um, <laughs> out where he, where he lives. And, yes. uh, and it was just dist- like the plastic surgery. You couldn't even look at him then, really? you know, like yeah. I think stuff has been going on for a long time. You know, that was just, he was, you know, when someone has, does that much work, you think what's happening there. So, uh, yeah, Barrick was, he was traumatized. My husband was, was pretty traumatized. Well, it was probably a childhood star for you. Yes. Life. Yeah. He really, yeah, really yeah. loved him growing up. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Interested, interested to hear, uh, what's happening there. What's going yeah, on there. Yeah. Well, Leanne, I have a couple books to recommend. Oh, good. Uh, All right. Okay. Um, which is, you know, sort of it was like breaking news that Harper Lee, okay, the the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, well, she has a new book. Well, it's not a new book. It's, it's an old book, but it's 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 going to be called, it's called Ghost Set a Watchman. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of Scout. You remember Scout from To Kill a, Mount, a Mockingbird. Sure. It's a story of Scout as an adult. And that she had this manuscript and I guess didn't think it was good enough or wasn't sure she wanted to publish it and finally shared it with some people. And they encouraged her like, yes, do this. Uh, You should publish this. So I think that's exciting that she has a second novel coming out, don't you think? Well, it was interesting when I read, apparently this is the first novel she wrote, actually. So, mm-hmm. and, and the, her editor, uh, an editor she was working with said that she really liked the flashbacks about Scout's childhood, and maybe she should actually try writing a book about that. So that's where To Kill a Mockingbird came from. And yeah, she sat on this book for 60 years. So, and they're printing 2 million copies. So I wish nothing for the best for Harper Lee. I wish, I wish every author would sell 2 million copies. And it gives me uh, great hope that someday <laughs> someone will dig up one of my Maybe early screen, books. My early, my one of my early screenplays, and publish that for two million copies. No, I think it's. I'm sure it's very terrifying for her to bring a book out at this point. I mean, obviously she's you know she's waited a long time. Maybe she doesn't care about 
critical uh, opinion, but uh, it's exciting, but I think it's also kind of risky to do that. So I'm, I'm curious to read it. So that's, and there's so many people who identified To Kill a Mockingbird as their absolute favorite book, the book that changed their lives. You know, it's kind of the first sort of serious meaty book you read as a child in school. So almost everyone's read it. So there, the stakes are very high for Harper Lee. That's what I would say. Yeah, that, I'm sure, you know, as comparison, you know, as compared to To Kill a Mockingbird, yes. But right. I'm excited. I think, and I think readers will be excited. And uh, Scout is such an interesting character. Yes. Uh, and it was so well developed in To Kill a Mockingbird that I, I think that, um, I think it will be satisfying, Leanne. So, okay. uh, but I have another book for you, Leanne. And okay. um, I, I'm just, I'm going to just tell you this. Um, I have ordered this for your birthday. Okay. I have, it's not a birthday surprise, but I have already ordered this for you because I know how much you love Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yes. And they are coming out, Leanne, with an annotated autobiography of Laura Ingalls Wilder, which is, that's, I think it's going huh. to, it's, it's going to be about, you know, her real life on the prairie. Okay. And the book includes over 800 annotations that Wilder and the biographer Pamela Smith Hill wrote and researched about um, Wilder's, you know, childhood and where she, you know, where she grew up. So I, knowing what a big fan you are, that they, this is another book that, you know, has, has the demand for it is enormous because there are so many, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder fans out there that um, you may not get it for a couple of months. Okay. But you're on the list, Leanne. All right. Thanks, Jewel. That's okay. a perfect gift. Yeah, Excellent. because I, I think they didn't really know that, you know, that this was, I mean, I think they knew it was going to be popular, but I don't think they had any idea of, you know, sort of the pent up interest and demand. But I think, again, it's for many girls, this is the, this is one of the first sets of books that you read where, you know, you're really involved with the, uh, with the characters and the family and that, you know, you really cherish the memories of reading these books, you know. And I, it's very fun for me now with my granddaughter, Alice, to have given her the whole set of Laura Ingalls Wilder books and just to see whether or not, you know, whether she would enjoy them as much as I did. And I know you love them too, Leanne. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, okay. so this is an autobiography? Yes, yes, Leanne. Huh. So Okay, it, all right. Yes, yeah, so it's never been, it's a never been before published, okay? And it was just released uh, right at the end of the fall and... You know, and it's going to have all these annotations, so you're going to learn a lot, Leanne. Oh, good. All right. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm I'm Googling it now. Okay. 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 So it's on the way at some point in, you know, when when they catch up with demand. Now, a third book that I saw that was being promoted in the last couple of weeks, and I, when I heard about it, I just went, ooh. And that is David Duchovny, who... (laughs) I really, I really think he should just retire. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe I should be more. What's your issue with David Duchovny? Okay, that he is a sex addict, Leon. I don't know. I just should be more sympathetic to people to to his particular circumstance. Okay, but he, in his personal life, he has been in rehab as a, a sex addict, and he plays a sex addict on that show, Californication. Correct. Yeah. I've never uh, seen that show, but yes, that so, is what he does. Yes, so it just. It has a big ooh factor for me. So, but he, um, David, you know, went to Princeton and he, um, and he, you know, was an English major. He went on and uh, did graduate work in English literature. 
And so um, he has written a new book. It's called Holy Cow Land. And it's the story of a cow that discovers it's on its, on its way to the slaughterhouse. That's, uh, that's oh. about as far as I got. So, but I'm not reading it, Leanne, because of the author. Okay. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Should I? Um, you know, there are many reasons why people choose not to read a book. I mean, if you if you if you're so prejudiced against the author, then you probably won't enjoy the book. So it's probably not worth your time. You know, yes. I mean, um, every time I th- I mean, I just I can't seem to compartmentalize this and just because <laughs> you know, he no. isn't. A- OK, first of all, like I had heard rumors that the sex rehab thing was not true at all. Oh, really? He just oh. went to rehab rehab, but they didn't because of insurance purposes on movie sets. They didn't want to say that. So they made up the sex rehab thing. And I that is from a very good Hollywood source. So. Oh, that makes you feel better. And he is an actor. So the character that he plays is not him. But if you want to hold all that against him, I I can't stop you. (laughs) Ah. Okay, Leon. All right. Okay. You know what? I'm just reading about this pioneer girl. Mm-hmm. Right. I somehow I, it's from a tiny little press, the, the South Dakota Historical Society. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't have enough copies. But they're going to get some, Glenn. They're going to get some copies and uh, they're printing them as fast as they can. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And you are, and one is coming your way. Okay. Excellent. Probably as a late birthday present. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Okay. So you're not reading Holy Cow, but we are reading Laura Ingalls. Yes. (laughs) And we're looking forward to reading Harper Lee. So there you go. Excellent. Uh, one Super Bowl ad that made me just so happy was uh, the one for Pitch Perfect 2. That movie. <laughs> Love that movie. And I can't wait for the next movie. I'm super psyched. All righty. There you go. Uh, and SpongeBob. That looked like a funny movie, too. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. Leon. I'm glad we got that in there. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I didn't see Pitch Perfect number one. Oh, my I, gosh. It's on every it. day. You got to watch it. <laughs> It's on every. It's fantastic. Okay. Oh, oh you got to okay. watch it. I mean, yeah, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. It's just, it's funny. It's charming. They're singing. It's great. All right, I, Leon, an excellent Usually, program. when I when the kids come home at night, I'm watching Pitch Perfect. That's when I. It's just, it's on every day. Okay. Somewhere. Well, you you can continue to watch the movie, but you're not going to be eating anymore. Remember no, that. That's okay. right. Maybe okay. just drinking some herbal tea and watching Pitch Perfect. All right. It is the time in the show on Tuesdays where we do our weekly recap of Downton Abbey. And what, you know, Julie and I go off, we watch the show, we prepare our notes, and then we discuss a little bit before we, uh, before we start recording, you know, what we might, how we're going to pitch this. And we both have exactly the same take on this week's show. And that is what we went with boxing metaphor after boxing metaphor after boxing metaphor. Is that correct, Jill? Yes, that is it, Leanne. I mean, it was, uh, you know, really, it was a bang-up show. What can we say, right? All right, here's my intro, and then Julie's going to take it away with her boxing analysis. But if it sounds like we're doing too much boxing, it's because we each prepared these on our own. So here we go. Downton Abbey this week is going down for the count. Oh. Uh, goodbye, Miss Bunting. See you later. Up against the ropes, Thomas. He's going to fall into the soup one day. All right. Bootstrapping Daisy. She's lifting herself up and she's going to knock somebody out. Au revoir, Marigold. <laughs> 
see ya. And then finally, TKO to the art historian. Yeah. Down Abbey this week. Woo, Jewel, what'd you think of this episode? Well, it was an excellent episode, Liam. And just before we get to the main attraction, Liam, uh, there were some lesser cards that I wanted to talk about. First, first one is Isis. Okay. The dog. Okay. He's doing a bang up job. Okay. I know I already used that metaphor, but I have to say that again, that despite his unfortunate name, uh, which obviously is linked to a terrorist group, um, I, you know, I just, we haven't mentioned him um, this season and he's just doing very, very solid work. So keep up the good work there. Okay. Miss Bunting, I had, she's down, but is she out, Leanne? This is what I'm afraid about. All right. They didn't really kill her. You know what I mean? She just got in a taxi and drove off. So I'm worried she'll come back. That someone is going to invite her to dinner again, or perhaps to a cocktail party, which is now, of course, all the rage. Yes. What do you think? I mean, well, I like the fact that they actually made a joke about like, well, let's not invite her to dinner again. Like that doesn't work because we've done it four freaking episodes in a row. <laughs> and Tom, I thought that was a real blow off by Tom. Like he was like, you know, hmm, yeah. I mean, those two to me didn't have a lot of heat in person. So uh, together and, uh, but he just, he totally blew her off, but you're right. She, I feel like she's going to show up again, something to do, you know, with Daisy, she's going to be connected somehow in the future, I think, uh, cause they did not kill her, but I don't think it's killer. She's, and they, you know, that's usually that's, (laughs) they didn't have Bates killer. So she'll. She'll be back. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. That's true. Okay. He may kill again. Yeah. All right. Well, can we talk about Thomas? Okay. Can we yeah. DQ Thomas? <laughs> Sweaty Thomas. Okay. Just, I mean, he just, I, I know he's going through a treatment and, yeah. and I'm very sympathetic to, uh, you know, the, the time, the period and, and, but really, I mean, he's just so sweaty and pale. I think the whole Thomas Baxter Mosley yeah, we just have to DQ that uh, storyline. Like it, that it's just, is... it's very tedious. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't find it that interesting. Uh, I don't find it that interesting. Yes, I am sympathetic to Thomas, but that he's just, unfortunately, just the one note guy. Like, yeah. he's yeah. just scheming and sweating and sweating and scheming and scheming and sweating. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rose, I finally have found the right term for her. She is a mental bantamweight, Liam. That... <laughs> Now, it's not really your fault because her father's name is Shrimpy, Shrimpy. of course. Okay. (laughs) Right? But now she has that new boyfriend, Atticus, okay? The banker boyfriend. Yeah. Well, that's not going to go well. You know that, okay? The Russians hate him, okay? Right. I mean, again, unfortunately, because of the time, you know, and because it's England and, and they were so snobby, the fact that, you know, that he is Jewish is really going to be very difficult for Rose, you know, and he seems Well, they're like building they're... up all those Jewish storylines, I think, yes. uh, you know, in the anticipation of the run up to World War Two. So, right. So we have this, the, this storyline. We have Cora's. Apparently, she had revealed that several seasons ago, someone on our Facebook page said, but now it's come back to life. We have uh, the dead, you know, baby daddy um, on trial, (laughs) beating up for the brown shirts there, Marigold's baby daddy. So a lot of those storylines are coming together. And you're right. Rose is just, she's clueless. 
She is. She is. I love Russian. I love Russian royalty. I love yes. you, Atticus, that I met an hour ago. That's just unbelievable. And why does she continue serving tea in that dark, damp space? Can't they get some more lights in there? All the Russians are just sitting around in the dark. I mean, I can't. Every scene is the same. Okay. So a little more light there, but Rose, I just, okay. Good looks. Yeah. Okay. Finally. Okay. Cora, Lynn, we have figured out what's wrong with Cora. She has boxer's brain, Lynn. <laughs> she is punch drunk. Okay. It explains everything, doesn't it? That's why she can't get out of bed in the morning. That's why she has no idea what's going on. Staring vapidly out the window. What was that? I don't know. I don't, I I just don't. And that hanging out with art history guy. Okay. What is up with him? Okay. So, and that she just does not seem at all interested in the fact that, you know, at her, at her dinner, you know, dinner thing, she, there is Edith and the Dowager and Lady Roseman and they're in the library and they're in there talking, talking away. And she just sort of blows in and blows out. Okay. Yeah. She can't help it. Leanne. She's been, she's, she's got boxer's brain. Okay. Right. <laughs> she is, she is something. Okay. So, well, let's talk about, about uh, Edith and the Dowager and Lady Rosemont, okay? I mean, first of all, that they are going to, and this is another boxing term, bum rush Marigold to a boarding school. (laughs) In in France. In France. Of course, they have a boarding school for two-year-olds, okay? How old is two? Is she three? She can't be three. They take children at any age. At any age. Now, you know, our, our, our beloved mom, you know, she, oh, she really felt like there should be a camp for two-year-olds. She felt like you should be able to send your two-year-old child to camp, you know, during those terrible two times, mm-hmm. just to straighten them out. And then they come back as three-year-olds and they're delightful and wonderful. So um, perhaps that's the model that they're working on. But what a mess, don't you think? I, I mean, there's quite a bit of tension about that, that it's, it is not going to stay put there at all. I, I don't understand how that could possibly be, as they said, the only solution. <laughs> hey, how about just letting the baby girl live with the family that she lives with now and telling Edith to suck it up? I mean, I know it's terrible what they did, but like kidnapping her and moving her to a foreign country so she could live alone in a boarding school that does not seem like quote the only option <laughs> i don't really i don't understand yeah i just it's, i feel really bad for marigold i feel bad for the nice family who has taken her in who mm-hmm. appears to like her very much i mean of course i feel ter- terrible for edith but edith oh my gosh somewhere in between like letting marigold lie and boarding school in france there is a there is a solution. Well, what is it, Leon? You, you tell me. They had they had no options. But I, I don't even think Edith is Edith is going to blow. You're right. Yeah. So I don't even think she's going to make it. I thought the Dowager was very sympathetic to the situation. You know that yes. she just, you know, maybe just to protect the family name, she just mm-hmm. sucked it up and she she went into sort of action mode there. She did. You know, there wasn't a lot of screaming and yelling. You know, she just decided that they had had to help and they they're trying to do their best so but they will uh, actually have to kidnap her <laughs> yeah i mean that right 
Who are they going to well, get yes. to do that? Like, who who's going to execute this plan? Miss Bunting? Well, who's coming? Thomas? Like, no, no, no. They'll get a Russian, Leanne. They, they, Russians are they're, they're, they're oh, experts okay. in kidnapping. Maybe Bates could do this. This would Bates. be just lesser than murder. He's good at he's good at all that illegal activity. But he still has the cane, Leanne. It's going to be hard to hold the yeah. child with the cane. I don't know. So anyway, but that is quite a that is an, quite an exciting storyline. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But now let us get to the main attraction, Leanne. Yeah. The bare knuckle barn burner of a fight, Leanne. What? I mean, that was amazing. I mean, that was. <laughs> There was some good punching. There was some good body blows there, Leanne. Everything seemed to be above the belt, you know, but those were, that was really an excellent fight. I didn't, you know, I didn't see it coming. I thought it would, I thought Lord Grantham would just stand there and seethe. I didn't think, uh, and it was exciting as he was coming up the stairs. It was, it was exciting. The guy get out of the room and Cora just. Cora, ineffectual, please leave. Please, please leave. leave. Please, please. This is the second time I've asked you. Please leave. Please leave. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't. I, I, you know, and I like the fact that he was like choking him on the ground, but then, oh, mommy, are you okay? And then they had to like, everyone froze. Everyone froze. That's like what you do when you're eight and your mother is like, what's going on in there? Nothing, nothing, nothing's uh, going on in here. We're playing a game and we knocked over a light. Yeah. I, I, that there were no follow-up questions to that statement. I don't, I don't, know. I don't get it. Like what possible game are you playing mommy and uh, daddy? You know, I mean. And then the fact that there was just the silent treatment at the fabulous cocktail party, that made me laugh because that every couple can relate to that. It's usually the wife, though, giving the silent treatment. <laughs> the stink eye. And yeah. that everybody in the room ooh, looked over and saw that something was amiss between uh, Cora and Lord Grantham. So very exciting. I don't know. You know, though, why would you leave Lord Grantham for that art historian? There's nothing... What is happening with that? I don't even understand his appeal at any at any level. No. So, so but I think he's off. That somehow she arranged a car for him yeah. in the morning and yes. then off he went. Yes. But again, he's not dead. And I think we have to worry about characters that are leaving in cars and taxis, but are not dead. Okay. Because there was a lot of that this week. Yes. It so. seems it gives them an opportunity to come back. So, uh, And then Mary being set up with her, quote, rival, like the old girlfriend. And I, I thought that was just an odd scene. It was like they didn't have anything to do with Mary this week. So she had lunch in London. <laughs> they were both wearing great clothes though i mean yes. that dress with the roses on it oh my oh. gosh that was beautiful yeah lovely so. lovely and finally mrs patmore she is clearly the corner man at the in the operation there at down Abbey, <laughs> right i mean she's just serving it up you know whether she doesn't really know what a cocktail party is but she's she's working that and then she's got her little bit of money and thank goodness she did not listen to Carson's advice to go into the real estate business, Leanne, you know, I, I think that seemed shaky. I, th- I thought that was doomed. So I'm very glad, you know, she's just sort of sticking to the things she's sticking to the boxing, Leanne, sticking to what she knows. Uh, and that should work out for her. I predict actually uh, the real estate storyline will develop with Mary falling for the real estate developer. Oh. I think that's the only place for Mary to go now is 
is common. You know, I think she needs to go with a commoner, you know, like the evil real estate developer. I guess she did have that fling earlier two seasons ago with, you know, the publishing magnet who Mm -hmm. was a commoner and he wanted to marry her and that didn't go over. But I don't know. I think there's something like Mary being engaged with a big businessman. I don't know. That may happen again. So I'd like to see that. Like well, just, she's elusive. I don't think they can kill off any more sisters. No, I mean, yeah. So, right? I know. I mean, so Edith, some, she's, I, there's just no good way. I don't know. Is she going to become a nun, Leon? What do you think? Maybe she'll just, they'll both go to the convent or to something? France. I don't, I don't know. Of course, she's going to have to follow her to France, to France, to the boarding school. So then we'll only be left with one sister to follow? Like, and Rose. And, Mary? Oh. and Rose. and Rose. And Rose. <laughs> The mental bantamweight. There she is. Uh, so that was it, Lynn. It was quite an episode. Very, very exciting. Uh, really, um, I, I think an excellent, um, an excellent episode overall. Yes. Yeah, I thought so too. Last week's, uh, the week before, kind of set up a bunch of storylines. We resolved a bunch. You know, things are happening. You know, I don't even really understand what's happening with Bates and Anna. So. <laughs> Something oh, Anna's going to get, you I know. know, they're going to, I, you know, what's going to happen there. They're going to, they're going to imprison Anna. She's yeah. going to go to that same dark prison I... and we're going to have dark prison scenes. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Another season. I know. Cause she's got the device. She's got the book. Oh, oh I know. She, they're going to set her up. Like she was actually having an affair with that green and not I having know. been ra- I know it's just, it's, it's such a dark storyline for her. I feel terrible for, I feel terrible for her. Feel terrible for her. All right. Well, that was Down Gabby for this week. We always love uh, your thoughts, your comments, your questions. You can find us at SatelliteSisters.com. Our Twitter handle is at SatSis. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook. We have both a group and a page. So join in on the conversation. There's always a lot happening on the Facebook group page that you control and uh, on our official page that we control. Um, Jewel, you have any big plans for this week? Big plans, uh, granddaughter's eighth birthday, Land. Oh, That's wow. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. I've been invited. We're going to some movie uh, okay. with her girlfriends. It's like a little girlfriend party. Oh, good. Yes, so it should be fun. You know, I think you get to the age with birthday parties where you don't have to invite everybody know, the in the class. class. Yeah. You can just have a few of your best friends, your besties, and mm-hmm. you go and do something small and fun. So, um, uh, plus Nana, I get to come too. <laughs> That's good. Well, actually, we're having Colin's birthday party for his friends on Saturday night. So they're just going to, kids are going to come over, you know, boy, girl party, co-ed. I mean, 17. So, uh, are you chaperoning by yourself? Yes. I'll be chaperoning by myself because Barrick's out of town. So, um, and then, uh, it's a pretty low key group, his friends. So I think they'll just, you know, play ping pong and have a fire outside in the fireplace. And, uh, it's a pretty low key group. I'm just trying to nail Colin down on did you invite the girls yet? Like people, <laughs> you know, know, people need, you know, just invite the girls. So I know you see, cause he goes to an all boys school. So he doesn't see the girls that he's going to mm-hmm. invite. I just, you know, give him the heads up. Just people like that. Uh, and then we're going to work on what food do you want? I've laid several options out. Uh, I've gotten no response. So I may just go with lasagna. If I don't, if I don't hear anything back, I'm going to go with a tray of lasagna and a nice Caesar salad. That's what I thought. See, and you can have it all in as long as it's before 5 5 p.m. Okay. (laughs) That was not the study, but okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Don't forget, have a fantastic week and call your satellite sister.